first of all, when I first come into an organization. And the very first thing that I want to do is I draw up a business canvas model because I want to understand the business. I want to understand not just its pain points, I want to understand its strategy. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's Dr. Mike Brass, Head of Business Systems at Ubisense, which means that he is both the CIO and the CISO there. He's not the first CISO slash CIO on our show before, but definitely the first CISO slash archaeologist. That's right. Mike did not come to CISOing through the usual ranks, and as a result, he has some fresh eyes on the problems we face and some unique tools as well. Rather than get into his archaeology background, however, uh, we're going to save that for another podcast. We will talk about his background as it pertains to cyber. Now, my last LinkedIn poll showed that roughly 60% of CISOs came up to the role uh, through the technical ranks, another 30% through GRC, and another 10% through other channels, you know, business, finance, uh, whatever it might have been. Archaeology is definitely an other channel, uh, but Mike came to GRC before coming to the CISO role, and that's actually what we're here to talk about is that GRC origin. So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Uh, Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Mike, you came up through the GRC ranks, but I guess uh, what you were telling me earlier is you did actually have a technical background before that. So I want to hear that transition from technical to GRC to CISO. Okay, so yes, I mean, I've been in this from, for, since the year 2000, and I came in from the technical background. The transition began when I was at Amadeus Capital Partners, and so I was gaining some experience there direct in IT leadership and So I joined the Institute for Government. Now, the Institute for Government's a political think tank, interacts with all the political parties within the UK, the mainstream political parties. And so while there, you're dealing with a number of extremely important stakeholders. So this places an emphasis not just on making sure that the staff can actually work in terms of everyday security and everyday technical and the operational tactical side of things, that it's to make sure that the brand and reputation of the Institute for Government was protected. I was reporting into the CFO and I was getting involved in certain governance matters. Then I got headhunted for a company called Dialyte, Dialyte PLC. Now, while I was there, shortly after I joined, in fact, about a month after I joined, the board of Dialyte had commissioned a report into the security, business security. So that report was a CMMI report by Ernest and Young. So I got very interested in how this report was drawing together various technical aspects and delving into matters such as HR and other business concerns. I said, nobody's picking this up. I would like to run with this. So I went I went away, I also got my Security Plus certification. I wanted to formalize certain knowledge. I wanted to get a broader bit of understanding and delve into the business side. And, and on to, uh, on to CISO. Uh, yeah, and then on, on to UbiSense. That's, in, that's incredible. So it's a very similar journey to mine. I grew up technical. Now, I, I didn't realize you had the technical before the GRC. I grew up technical and did the same thing you did. At one point, I willfully grabbed a hold of GRC and said, I want to manage this and I want to run this because I recognized there was a deficit in my knowledge as a purely technical CISO. You know, I, I – well, not CISO yet, but as a purely technical player, I wanted to own that. And so I, I – Co-authored, a, co-authored, co-managed, whatever you call it, an ISO 27001 cert for a company. And 
kind of got my feet wet with GRC there and then very deliberately picked up um, some other standards and, and, you know, began the journey aggressively from there. So technical background led to GRC, led to CISO. It sounds like we both have that same journey. Yeah, and a lot of my initial interest in that expansion was because I felt I was hitting the limits of my technical knowledge and that I wasn't utilizing my social science background and knowledge to the full extent that I believed was necessary. And I also believe very much in the integration of IT with the rest of, of the business and not in silos. So then to see how I could take the technical side with insecurity and expand and operate within the business environment from a governance perspective was something that really captured and opened my eyes to the, the wider world. And at that same time, I was very fortunate that Ubisense wanted to do two things. One, they wanted to implement ISA 27001 anyway, because they wanted it to act as a business differential. And second, uh, and it was entirely coincidental, Volkswagen said to all of its suppliers, we need you to become ISA 27001 accredited within the next few years. Uh, otherwise, you can no longer be a supplier to us of whatever you are supplying. There's always In that, that large customer driver. If there's not regulatory, there's that large customer, right? Absolutely. So, so let, me, let me ask you this, Mike. Um, you've got the background. Both reside in your head. You've done technical. You've done GRC. It's my experience that within the teams themselves, we tend to be kind of bifurcated, right? There's a tension between the tech teams and the GRC teams. The tech teams often see themselves as doing the real-world security, quote-unquote, uh, and they see the GRC teams as being box checkers. And then conversely, the GRC teams often see the tech teams as being sort of cavalier rule breakers that, that don't care about the governance. Uh, and, and the GRC teams are often marginalized, right? So given that you've got both internally to your head, how do you as the CISO sort of bridge that gap between the tech teams and the GRC teams, you know, in your organization? Well, I take a step back on all of it. First of all, when I first come into an organization, and the very first thing that I want to do, in fact, very first two things, is I draw up a business canvas model because I want to understand the business. I want to understand not just its pain points, I want to understand its strategy, I want to understand its, obviously, the crown jewels on digital assets, fine, fine, fine. I need to know where the business wants to go. I need to know where its partners are. I'm needing, I'm needing to know the revenue drivers. I'm needing to know and understand the value creation processes. As soon as I can get that understanding and that comes through with mapping from the, everybody in the EXCO and then the level beneath that and sometimes the people there on the ground was actually within the product support team, for example, then I'm able to take that away and map it against the parallel work that I'd be doing in collating what the information uh, IT people are actually doing there on the ground. So whether it's the cybersecurity people, and I'm using that term just as in, in reference as IT security, or some of the other operational people within IT, what their understanding of their processes and the business happen to be. From then onwards, uh, it becomes a matter of making sure that the systems are properly rationalized so I can get rid of uh, some of the annoyances, outdated, 
modernize as much as humanly possible. Right. And, and, and when you say rationalize, uh, and sorry, sorry to cut you off, but when you say rationalize, after you've done this business analysis, I assume you are correlating assets, you know, hardware assets to business drivers. Like you may find a $10,000 cost that's serving a $0 budget, or you may find a $100,000 cost that's serving a $10,000 budget, you know, that kind of thing. I assume that, that you're rationalizing from that business perspective that you've gleaned, right? There's that. There's also, you can get onto simple matters such as, let's say you find suddenly there's two FTP servers sitting there, but you've got other sharing mechanisms. That Those are legacy. Nobody's knowing why somebody's using this and not that. Do that consolidation, have everybody focused on what they can do through a couple of the systems that is meeting their needs. And all of a sudden, people's focus from different departments, how do I do this? We've got that one system, go away and do it. And training on that one system. So suddenly you're making that more secure, you've got people focusing in and a way to go. Obviously, as you're sitting there and going through the budget and you suddenly realize, as you said, this $10,000 or £10,000 item is sitting there duplicating what something else has gone and done, you can get rid of it, reduce that complexity, do that right. rationalization. So serving no need or serving a duplicate need. All right, right, right. So, so pivoting to that GRC facet of all this, like you're describing sort of your CIO duties and, and your, your high-level CIO paradigm, you next get into the governance, the risk management, the compliance. I'm assuming, again, you've done this business perspective first, which I love, by the way, business first, risk second, technology third, right? Um, how, do you, how do you manage GRC in the face of all that business analysis? I go back again, I, and I do this at least twice a year, revamp the business canvas model and look at the changing perspectives and, the, and are there any shifts in emphasis? Are we bringing on board new partners? So I'm talking about new partner companies. If we're doing that, uh, and we are, we're expanding the number of partners. Then I look at, well, what's the partner going to do? Is it, for example, with UbiSense, is it like Rakuten? Or are they not just reselling up our products within their particular markets? Are they doing software as a service on our behalf? And I'm picking on that because that, that is something that they are about to do. They, we've got other partners, um, and I can mention names because on website, there's Orange Business Systems, Wipro. And again, the, part of the strategy for this year is to increase our software as a service offerings. What that entails coming back into on the governance perspective is to make sure that there is a minimum baseline of at least security and privacy that is being applied in the name of UBSense through the partners. Obviously, they given that they would be doing the hosting of whichever product, they can apply additional security in conjunction with whoever the customer happens to be. But because it's on behalf of UbiSense, it's our reputation, it's our brand management, there is th that privacy and security which goes into the master template agreements. And that's one of the ways that I work it through. Okay, so contractual commitments for security and privacy, and then I, I'm assuming you're doing the traditional security questionnaire, um, all that kind of stuff? That comes through in a couple of different forms. If they are ISO 27001 certified, then there's certain matters which um, is not a good use of my time to delve into. That's right. when you can go much more specific. 
And yeah. that's where the agreements in particular come into hand. Then it becomes a matter of ensuring compliance. So that goes down into any auditing in the future. Make sure that they, they are adhering to what they've signed up to. Then what I also do to assist people is I've got a sales playbook that I've given to service delivery, pre-sales, salespeople. So it very much helps their interaction with potential customers and existing customers, including if they've got a new account manager, they come in and say, okay, your TSEC and ISO 27001 and 9001 certified, that's absolutely fantastic. So, but we want to know a bit more information. So I've got this, what I call a playbook that gives some ready answers to it. Right. I, I know other companies do it through some automated online platforms. I actually have it there already. And so it's not just a matter of flicking through a few pages. It's actually embedded in what those people do. It's embedded in their everyday knowledge. So they can actually answer these questions off the top of their head. Got it. Got it. Okay. So... Um, this is all about how you're sort of extending the reach of your GRC out to your ecosystem. How are you doing this internally? I'm very fortunate in that we, we've got a number of diverse departments, but I'm very fortunate in that at least two of those departments, when I came in, they were already very security conscious. Our software development team already had a policy of at the point of any release, zero vulnerabilities, zero known vulnerabilities. Nice. Before it hits, hits the door on the way out. What we've done is made sure that all of this was actually properly documented into policies signed off by the CEO. Very similar for our hardware development. We needed to extend the security philosophy to do with financing and put in certain control measures. And we also needed to do this with sales and pre-sales, particularly in the USA, uh, given certain companies' history and that we had been actually split into two companies. So we had to take the USA people along with us. So the ISO 27001 is driven out of Germany and out of the UK. The sales people fall under the remit of actually both of them and service delivery people fall under the remit of both. So although it's specific to two offices, it applies globally. And that's exactly what we had to do. And then it's not just reporting some metrics then through to the expo on what is happening. It's making sure that there is the two-way communication. So if there is a change in emphasis, not, a, not so much a change in strategy, which is quite solid, but a change in emphasis within that strategy, then we can adjust very quickly and engage with the other members of the expo from the other departments and take them with us. Let's pause right there for a quick word about Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all. Alan Alford here to tell you about Alan Alford Consulting. After being a CISO five times, I decided to launch my own cybersecurity consulting practice. My cybersecurity career has spanned companies ranging from five to 50,000 employees, with revenues ranging from two million on up to 10 billion. I have worked in the cybersecurity industry itself, telecommunications, manufacturing, education, legal, data services, defense contracting, and for a number of SaaS providers as well. What I can do for your organization is to help you better manage, measure, report on, and more importantly, execute on your cybersecurity program. I have helped clients employ cybersecurity frameworks, conduct maturity assessments, develop board reports, and even to draft comprehensive three-year plans with budget and headcount projection to meet compliance and maturity goals. 
I can help you with anything from an assessment to comprehensive execution. I also offer retainer packages. Find out more at allenalford.com. That's A-L-L-A-N-A-L-F-O-R-D.com. I like that. So, so you've got a strong GRC driver with a, with a culture that was already very security conscious. Um, direct relationship, GRC to tech teams. Do you have any specific tips or tricks? Do you have any like, hey, GRC guys, here's how to engage with them. You know, those that, that mandate the ISO 27001 and audit for it internally, you know, here's how to reach out. Here's how to engage. It sounds like you've got a plan with sales, pre-sales, et cetera. What is that, what is that boots on the ground perspective that you, that you drill into your team? The most valuable I found was two things. When I came in, there was a disconnect. And I say this with all due respect, there was a disconnect between IT and the rest of the organization. It was felt that IT would either do something and the organization would not be informed or that they would be informed at the last minute but hadn't discussed any particular matters with the relevant stakeholders within the organization. And there was a concern that various matters could be affected. So the, the first thing that you do in that, in that respect, and this is just putting on the CIO cap, is establishing those lines of communication so you smooth over those particular avenues. You understand exactly what it is those particular departments have um, in, to do with their concerns on IT, where they would like to see IT go at least over the next couple of months to make sure that their own departmental operations are going smoothly without interruption. More broadly, once you've got all of that settled down and you, you're making sure that that's okay, you've actually got to sit down with whoever the IT personnel or person happens to be and you've got to brief them in what's happening with the rest of the organization so they feel a part of that organization. They can then provide some technical perspective, obviously, on what's going on from their side, and you build that into to the plan. Once you've got all the, these are all baseline strategies to, to do and to follow. Once you've got all of that in place, what I actually find very useful is to get some GRC training for the tech people. Right on. The, because they then begin to understand exactly how what they are doing is fitting in with the rest of the organization. It starts lending them a business perspective. And so I, you, I like you start approaching. If you've, I mean, if a server is busy blowing up in your face, fine, you deal with that on a technical matter. But what is the impact of that on the rest of the organization? And how are you communicating? And the guy, the person going into the server room isn't going to be the person liaising with Exco if this is a mission critical system that's going down. But you can have them understand what that impact is actually having. And you let them get on with the role. But afterwards, as part of the lessons learned, you begin to build up that particular picture. I, I really like this because what you've done is you've created GRC as the bridge from the business to the technology team. It's, it's the education pipeline for the technology team. It's absolutely vital, without which you're going to continue having those, those silos. So what I did is I mandated Security Plus. And granted, Security Plus does have a primarily business focus. These days, uh, there was a little bit more of the GLC back when I happened to take it. 
but it is giving them that extra insight. So when you combine it with the internal training that you are doing, the light bulb goes off. I like that. I like that a lot. So, so let me ask you this. We've got folks who are in the GRC community today, directors of GRC, senior directors of GRC, senior managers of GRC, maybe even a VP of GRC. And a lot of those folks feel like they're not the ones in line for the CISO role, that it's going to be somebody from the tech team that makes the CISO role. So what's your, what's your response to that? What do you tell those people who are in GRC and wish to be a CISO? Unfortunately, that is the case where we do see many world-class security engineers get appointed to the CISO role, and they do not make that adjustment to having the business mindset. There are, however, still many openings. I was at an IC squared, a leadership roundtable in London in November last year. There were 12 or 13 of us. Every one of us does have some aspect of a technical background, no matter how many years, how many years ago. How far back it might have been. Correct. The initial entry for almost all of them except for two, wasn't coming from the actual technical background. It was because they got involved in GRC in some form or another, whether it was compliance, whether it was in risk, whether it was doing project management, they then moved into their particular CISO roles. I'll be darned. I, you know, that's, that's my story. Yeah, two of them, very, very technical, very technical CISO roles. One was coming from a defense background, a Ministry of Defense background. He's not in the Ministry of Defense. He's with an organization that's affiliated with the military industrial complex in the UK. So I can understand why they opted for it. The other one, and I am at liberty to say he is the CISO at Royal Mail, and because of their operations and the way that they are structured throughout their group, I can also understand why they went with somebody who's got a highly technical background, who came from that technical background into the CISO role and has combined all of that with other GRC knowledge. But yes, the, the, there is that group of people, at least within the UK, who are coming from diverse backgrounds and trying to bring that together. So the path is there. I would say companies these days are starting to wake up to the fact that information security isn't purely technical. Right. Not, all, not all companies, but some certainly are. I know one company in particular who's been very stubborn and thinks that that is nothing but technical and therefore IT should be handling it. However, the combination of what's happening within EU, the USA, and I'm thinking of this, the Securities Exchange Commission. Yep, the new regs that are coming down the pipeline. Quite correct. A certain pressure that is coming in the UK from the National Cyber Security Center, uh, as well as insurers within the UK, it's bringing it to the fore that people, or rather companies, need to have people in charge of their cybersecurity. And then what is happening in at least some companies, they go in, well, I don't understand what all this technical stuff is. I'm being told I need to have some security. I'm, be, I'm being told that I could lose a lot of money. I'm a medium-sized business. I can't afford 
an attack that's costing me 10,000 pounds. But what do I do? Because nobody's telling me I need somebody who can speak my language, who can be that translator. So in terms of that, then you're getting some board members, some people in the exco who are saying, I need somebody to talk some common sense to me. And all of a sudden, that's been opened up to people coming from the risk management background, from some kind of audit, or even I've been in a previous, or I, as in person from the exco, I've been in a previous company. I've understood them. I haven't understood them. Let's get somebody from that type of background and have them as a business translator. And it's starting to build a bit of momentum there. Enough in my opinion, but we are seeing those green shoots coming through. Yep. And what's crazy is I've been a CISO uh, more, like most of my CISO roles have been in technology companies. So having a highly technical background, having a highly technical approach was sort of almost mandate. And yet even those shops see the value in the business forward perspective, the GRC forward perspective. Like I, I still was able to sell that and, and get them to understand the value. And I still was able to be a successful CISO because of that. Right. So even the technology companies can do it and can get it right. Um, all right. We're going to switch gears. I've got three questions for you and we're going to do a one sentence answer for each question. It's a speed round. Are you ready? Go ahead. All right. What should engineering slash architecture folks and the other tech stack folks know about GRC? How their products contribute to the value creation processes of the business. I love it. All right. What should the GRC folks know about the tech side of the house? It's almost the same answer. It is understanding how the technology can aid the protection of a value creation process. I love it. And I love that you keep saying value creation as opposed to compliance, right? So one last question, Mike, what is the business value of GRC? You mentioned being a value differential. Have you seen that return on investment from your GRC efforts? Yes. In reference to the German automobile industry for the last financial year, it pulled in 8 million euros worth of business that we would otherwise have been ineligible for. Nice. In addition, we've got over the next couple of years, service contracts with the German automobile industry with an additional 3 million euros. And there'll be more money being put in this year and every year uh, thereafter. So people who say that security isn't a business and enabler and is looked at just as a cost center need to go back and re-examine how the business is actually operating with security. That's it. That's a beautiful summary. All right. Well, Mike Brass, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs>